You're listening to Connection Church's podcast. Well, I was saved when I was 15, and um, like most Christians, I'd had my ups, I'd had my downs, but I felt like I was plugged in um, in my own personal walk. I didn't really give my life to Christ until I was about uh, 28. I didn't really understand that there were steps after that. It wasn't just this one commitment that, and then just attend church every Sunday after that. There's so much more. My wife invited me to go to this couples group, and at the time, I didn't want to go. Our marriage had been struggling. We had been seeing a counselor. Shortly after, after beginning to attend that group, we separated. We, we didn't tell our connect group what we were going through. But as part of our separation agreement, we decided that we would continue to attend um, this connect group as a couple, that we were gonna be there and that we were gonna do the work that God was wanting us to do. Something had to change and it was me. The man, you know, he's the king of his home. You know, he demands this and he wants that and the woman needs to respect and honor, right? Well, everyone forgets the man needs to serve his wife. Connect Group, they helped me, they helped me become accountable for my actions. They, they opened my eyes to truth. Um, and the, the realization that I was a quote unquote Christian who didn't read the Bible. You have a storm going on around you. The wind is blowing and the, and the waves are crashing and when you finally break down and reach out to Christ, a strange thing happens. The storm calms and you find peace in your life. Every week turned into uh, a week where, or a night where I could go and see my wife, spend a, an hour, two hours with her amongst other believers who are sharing similar hardships. It gave me a sense of comfort that I'm not alone. Everyone on earth hurts. Everyone goes through these trials and pain and these people are here to help me. Three months went by and in January of 2016 we ended our separation with a reconciliation. We decided at that time, maybe a few months later, to go ahead and and let our connect group know what had transpired between us and they rejoiced with us they celebrated with us and they were very happy for us Um, but their hearts were also broken for us they were the ones that were able to speak directly into our heart directly into our situation and they were able to to carry us through a very difficult situation even when they didn't know they were god's mouthpiece for us at a time in our lives where we were lost the biggest change which is surprising to me, but it's, uh, it's actually, I'm actually reading the gospel. I'm actually reading the Bible. Not just carrying it with me wherever I go, I'm actually reading it and learning. I've, I've learned to trust. I've learned to be transparent in my relationships and I've learned to lean on people. They're there for you. God has gifted us, this group of people, um, to help us walk through life. 
Good morning. How you guys doing? Everybody excited this morning? It's a good day. It's an awesome day. Welcome back, students. We're glad you are here with us today. Let's give them a hand, if you will. I'm glad to see some of you guys at 9 and a bunch of you guys here at 11. It's awesome to have you. Love the energy you guys bring and just having you be a part of this body. Um, we wanted to show you this morning this video, um, Brian and Angel's story, uh, because in the next couple of weeks, we're going to have opportunities for you to sign up for Connect Groups, which is our small groups. And we really believe that, as you saw a guy work through their Connect Group, that God really works through community. And this is a huge part of our church. One of the four things that we do uh, is, is small groups. We try to keep it very narrow, very focused. And one of those things is our small groups, our connect groups. And so over the next two weeks, not this Sunday, but beginning next Sunday, the 21st, and then the 28th, we're going to have opportunities for you to sign up for a connect group. And um, hopefully you do that because we really do believe that you shouldn't do life alone. We really believe that you can't do life alone and that we're called to do life together. And we believe that the greatest life change happens in community in these small groups. And so if you're not in one, we'd encourage you to sign up for one. We'll have college guys groups, college girls groups. We'll have uh, men's groups. We'll have um, couples groups. We'll have women's groups. We'll have all kinds of groups trying to help you find a place that you can connect and have community with other people. And so be looking out for that. Also, real quick, I want to mention to you something that's happening Tuesday night. Um, Tuesday night at 8 o'clock, there's a group of people who are going to be meeting um, at the, in the cul-de-sac of Greek Row, and they're going to do a prayer walk. It's going to begin at 8 o'clock, and they're going to walk and pray through Greek Row, but also throughout the campus, praying for Georgia Southern. We believe that a large part of what God's called us to do is to reach the campus and to reach students. And so um, I'm encouraging you to be a part of that, um, to go and, and to pray and ask God to do something that only he can do on this campus. Um, and, and I just believe that God is going to do that as we continue to reach people and see other churches as well as us reaching people who are on that campus and in this community. It's going to be awesome. And so um, we're excited about that. Today, I'm especially excited about the fact that we're, we're going to be in a, the, a very special song. Um, it's a song that everybody's heard of, and we're doing this as a part of our God Honestly series. This is the last week of this particular series, um, and it's been taking an honest look at God and an honest look at our relationship with God and what that looks like, going through different psalms and, and looking at those. Today, we're going to be in Psalm 23. So if you have your Bible, you can turn there. We're going to be in the first four verses of that psalm for um, the whole time this morning. And my prayer is that today you see the faithfulness of God and that you can begin, no matter what season of life you're in, you can begin to see and trust in God's faithfulness even more than you do right now. Or maybe you've never put your trust in God. But I hope today that you can begin to taste and God begins to draw you into a relationship with him because of his faithfulness that you hopefully will see today. But Psalm 23, we're going to read the first four verses and then we'll pray and then we'll get going. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing or either I shall not want, depending on the translation you have. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths or in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley or even though I walk through the valley of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Let's pray and we'll jump in. God, thank you for your word for us. Thank you for 
The fact that it's living and active, that it's sharper than a double-edged sword, it pierces God to our hearts and it changes our lives. And so I pray today, God, that you would do that. I pray today that you would move in an amazing way, God, in our lives. God, we just give you this time. We set ourselves, um, our hearts open to receive what you have for us. Now, in Jesus' name, we ask you to do all these things. Amen. Amen. Well, how many of you have heard of the 23rd Psalm? You've heard those verses before. If you've heard those verses, would you raise your hand? Just kind of say that's a very popular um, psalm. But let me ask you this question. Where is it that you mostly hear that psalm? Funerals, right? You typically hear it at funerals. So much so that it's almost become synonymous with funerals. It's almost become synonymous with death. Um, when we hear that psalm, that's typically what we think about. But I want you to um, hear it a little bit differently this morning because this psalm was not written for funerals. It wasn't written because someone died. In fact, it was written as a psalm of thanksgiving. It was written as a proclamation of God's faithfulness and a celebration. And so I want you to hear it in that way today, that it, even though I walk through the valley, right, he says, I'll fear no evil. And so I want you to see that this is something that's encouraging, that is to build us up. And I want you to see specifically today, as he talks about in that first verse, that the Lord is our shepherd. I want you to begin to see God as the shepherd of your life. I want you to understand what that means, the implications of what that means. Because if we're going to do what God has called us to do, if we're going to fulfill the mission that God has called us each to fulfill and fulfill the purpose that God has for us and the calling that is on our lives to do what God wants us to do, we're going to need to know God as shepherd. And see, David was writing from a context that he understood. David, before he became King David, he was shepherd boy David. He, he worked as a shepherd and he, he watched his family's sheep. And he, it, it, the Bible talks about that, he, even how he would fight off lions and bears and, and different things that would come to try to harm the sheep. He would fight them off. And so when we read this psalm, we need to realize that David, as he's saying, God is my shepherd, he was speaking from a context he understood. He understood what that meant. He understood that it meant that God was going to take care of him. He understood that it meant that God was going to protect him. He understood that it meant that God was going to provide for him. And so I want you to see those things because this is our God. This is who he is. And I want you to understand him as shepherd. I want you to understand that he has a plan and a purpose for your life. And if we're going to fulfill that, as I said, we've got to see God as a shepherd. We've got to see God as the one who's going to look over us, taking care of us, guiding us and leading us. I remember when I was first in ministry and I was in a denomination that you kind of had to go through some hoops to be a pastor. And you had to go to certain seminaries and this kind of thing. And I was lined up to go to a seminary that um, I didn't feel comfortable about. I just didn't feel like that was what I was supposed to do. And I remember I was sitting in a coffee shop one morning and I was supposed to start seminary on the next Monday. This was like a Thursday or Friday. And I'm sitting in this coffee shop reading my Bible. And I was reading in 1 Samuel where um, Saul was being tormented. King Saul was being tormented by this evil spirit. And it said that they would bring David in front of Saul and he would play the harp and the evil spirit would leave him. And I was reading that psalm or that, that, that section in 1 Samuel that day and, and really praying through, do I need to do this? Do I need to go to this seminary? Do I need to take this step? I didn't feel like that's what God wanted me to do. And as I was reading that scripture, um, I heard the Lord speak to my heart as clearly as I've ever heard. And when I say speak to my heart, it wasn't like, Brandon, 
you need. It wasn't like that, right? It was God just put something in my heart. He impressed on my heart what it was he wanted me to know. And in that moment, what I heard the Lord say to my heart was, I raised up a shepherd boy to minister to kings. I will raise you up. And when I heard that, I knew that God had a different plan for me. And what I want you to see today is that God had a plan for my life to be doing what I'm doing now. God has a plan for your life to raise you up to do what God wants you to do. And here's the thing that we, we, we think a lot of times. There's a lot of students here, a lot of young people here today. And we oftentimes, it's easy for older people like myself to think, hey, you know, that's right. They've got a, God's got a plan for them. God's got a lot he wants to do in them. He wants to raise them up to do great things in his kingdom. And we forget that God still has a plan for us too, right? Like as long as there's breath in our bodies, God still wants to use us for his kingdom. God still wants to raise us up to do things for him, to do things that bring him glory. And so I want you to hear today, I want you to understand today that God has a purpose for your life. And we all have the same purpose, and that's to bring glory to his name. That's to make him famous. That's for people to know him, to bring glory to him in the way they live their life, to make the name of Jesus known throughout the world. But we also all have a calling which is different on our lives. What is your calling? What has God put you here to do? What is it that he's called you to be? Is it to be in banking? Is it to be a lawyer? Is it to be a school teacher? Is it to be a coach? What is it that God's called you to do? Because God will raise you up to fulfill that purpose that he's given you. He wants to raise you up to do those things. He wants you to accomplish his purposes on this earth for which you were created. You were created for more than just sucking in oxygen and, and going through your days and doing homework and going to work and going back home and going to bed. God has a greater purpose for you as a purpose in his kingdom to advance his gospel. And today I want you to see that. I want you to get that. I want you to understand that. I want you to be excited about that. I want you to be challenged by that, that God has something for me to do. Absolutely. He has something for you to do, something that he's purposed your life for. And I want you to fulfill that. As a pastor, I want you to fulfill that opportunity. As long as there's breath in your body, God still wants to use you. God wants to bring you close to him. He wants to do a great work in you so he can do a great work through you. And I want you to see that. But if we're going to do that, listen, we've got to see him as shepherd. We've got to understand what that means. We've got to understand it the way David understood it. And I want you to get that today. See, if we're going to take the steps of faith that give God room to move in our life, we've got to know him as shepherd. And we've got to see what that means and be, be challenged by it, but be encouraged by it. And know that he's there. If you look at these verses, the first one, the very first verse says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. The first thing I think we need to understand about God as shepherd is that he cares. That God cares. That he cares about our life. That seems crazy, especially when you think about it in this way. That God not only cares, but God loves and not only does God love, but God loves unconditionally. See, this is the incredible thing about being a Christian is that we get to experience God's love forever. And it's easy for us a lot of times to look at it and go, look, it's easy to understand why God would be a shepherd to David, right? I mean, think about all that he did. He killed lions and bears with his bare hand. Anybody ever done that? Right? He, he was a great military general. He, who led great military campaigns and, and, and would liberate 
people and he would go in and destroy enemy nations and the people who were coming against the people of God and he would lead these great military battles. I mean, that's pretty cool, right? David would do that. He fought Goliath, right? Everybody's heard the story of David and Goliath. And, and, and even if we hadn't grow up in church, we've, we've heard that story because it's such an incredible story. It's such an incredible thing that God did through David. David historically was very small. Goliath, we know, was huge. And yet God did a, an incredible work through David to take Goliath out. And so we look at David's life, and I would call that perfect David, right? David that did all of these wonderful things, these awesome things. It's easy to look at that and go, I understand why God would be a shepherd to David. Look at what David did. Look at who he was. Look at all he accomplished. But here's the other side that we oftentimes don't talk about. We looked at it some last week here. But the reality of it is David was also an adulterer. David has had his own fallings, his own shortcomings. David was a murderer. He had the woman Bathsheba. He had her husband that he had the affair with. He had him murdered. So he was also a murderer. David also had at times become afraid and ran. And we're talking about a guy who was supposed to be faithful, right? A guy who believed in God's faithfulness. But there were times when he ran. He got ran out of his own kingdom by his own son. I call that real David. Because doesn't that sound a little bit more like us than perfect David? And it's easy for us to come to a place where we look at it and go, it's easy to understand why God would love perfect David, but I can't see God being that shepherd and that faithful to, to, to real David. And, and I look at our lives and oftentimes it's hard for us to see how God would have that much interest in our lives because we know with, with re, in reality that we are far from perfect. But here's the reality of it. The whole analogy of the shepherd is meant to show us that he loves imperfect people because sheep are far from perfect. My dad used to have sheep and there could be a whole pasture full of green grass, but they were so dumb, they would get their head caught in fences trying to eat the grass on the other side of the fence. I'm like, you know, they're just reaching out, getting stuck and everything. And I'm like, the whole, the same grass is right here. <laughs> you just eat it. And so they're not that, so we're imperfect animals. And so we see in this that God's saying, I don't love you because you're perfect. I love you because I love you. And he's showing us this. He wants us to see this, that he cares. I remember when my oldest son was about one or two years old, we went out one day, it was just me and him. It was kind of like daddy day, right? And so I get to take him out and we go eat by ourselves and I'm feeding him green beans at a restaurant my father-in-law used to own. And I'm feeding him green beans and we're just having this great day and I'm like great dad and all this stuff and, and just enjoying the time. And then all of a sudden he stands up in the seat and he turns around and looks at me and he goes, <laughs> right all over me, right? Like just all over me, green beans everywhere. And the thing that I think about whenever I think about that story is like, I didn't like kick him out of the family, right? Because he puked on me. I didn't get mad at him because uh, he was sick. I didn't get mad at him because he wasn't well. And, and I want you to see that God is the same way. God, when we are his child, when we are in Christ, when we are his, we belong to him. He works with us. He knows we're in a process. It's not that we're not growing towards perfection. It's not, we're not that we're not growing towards Christ, that we're not becoming like him. God just knows there's times when we're going to jack it up, right? And God doesn't kick us out. He picks us up. 
And see, here's the thing I want you to see in that is that that doesn't come, become a reason to continue to fall. That becomes a, an encouragement to continue to stand and to continue to walk and continue to become more like Christ because I know I can take those steps of faith. I can dare to become more like Jesus. And if I fall, I have a God who's going to pick me up. And hopefully I've surrounded myself with other Christians who are going to be there to do the same thing. But God cares. God loves. He, he knows us. He, he wants this relationship. Here's a question for you, though. Are you in Christ? Do you have the guarantee of this love forever? He gives his love to everybody. God loves everybody, yes. But you've got to understand that his love and mercy to those who don't believe in Christ, who haven't come into a relationship with Jesus, whose sins have not been forgiven, who've been separated by their sin from God. And that sin has not been removed in Christ. You've got to understand that God's mercy and his love and his grace to you is the time to make that decision to come to that reality of having a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. God is so good and so loving that even people who've turned their back on him, he reaches out with his love and he says, I'm giving you time to turn. Would you see my heart for you and turn to me and come to me? Would you lay your sin aside and pursue me? Will we come to a place where we realize God's great love for us and turn from all of the things that take us away from him and turn to him and begin to trust him and follow him? Do you see how good God is to give us that opportunity he didn't have to do it but he did but he did he gave us that great opportunity so we need to know that God cares God cares God loves he loves you he loves me he gives us opportunity to come to him and as a shepherd we know that this is one of his characteristics this is one of the things about him that we can trust in and if we're going to fulfill our purpose in life, we've got to see God as shepherd. Verses two and the beginning there of three say this. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. The second thing I want you to understand about a shepherd is that he provides. He provides. He takes those sheep from pasture to pasture. And he provides. It says he makes me lie down in green pastures. What does that mean? It means that he provides for the sheep what they need. And I want you to understand this, that as you pursue God and you pursue Christ, he will provide everything you need to fulfill the mission and the purpose and the calling that he's put on your life. The problem is that many times we want God to fulfill our purpose and our mission and our own calling then rather than fulfilling his purpose and his mission and his calling. But God will provide everything we need to do what he's called us to do, to do the things that he's prepared for us to do. And I want you to be able to take comfort in that. I want you to be able to draw strength in that, that as you pursue him, he's going to meet you where you are and give you everything that you need to do what he's called you to do. I want to take a few minutes today and I want to spend some time because I know there's a lot of new people who are here. Even over the last year, you've started coming to church here. And then there's some people who've been around for a while, who maybe some of this is going to be stuff that you've heard. But whether you have been here or you haven't been here, I want to share some things with you today that hopefully will build your faith, that hopefully will give you courage, that hopefully will show you that God is up to something, that he's doing something incredible. And I want to be able to share some of the things that God's done in the past. I remember when we were just getting started, and we, we were literally, we started this church with a, a computer, um, a projector, and a borrowed screen. 
the projector and the screen were both borrowed. We used my computer. And, and I would go and set up this, this room at a, a pond house that was way out of town. And I would set the room up. And we would meet on Monday nights at 6.30. Who goes on Monday nights to, at 6.30 to go out in the middle of nowhere to go to church, right? Well, that was my great plan. That was the great idea to show you how I screwed it up so many times. But God's grace brought us through. Um, I didn't really have a great plan. But we had this borrowed screen and borrowed projector and we'd go out there and I'd set it up and we'd have these worship services where our worship music was me playing songs off of a playlist. I would set it up on iTunes and it would just play through as we sang and I would be down there running the words. And it's especially crazy when you think there were at times there were seven to 15 people that were in this room together worshiping and I would just run it. Well, one day I get a phone call and somebody needs their projector back. <laughs> so there goes a third of our worship team, right? So they want the projector back. I'm like, well, you really got to have it back? They're like, yeah, we need it back. And so I was thinking, what are we going to do? We're in trouble. And, and later that afternoon, I get a phone call from a guy who did, had no idea about the fact that this projector had to go back. And he, he calls me and he says, hey, do you still need a projector? I said, yes. He goes, well, you got one. I was like, no, we need one. He goes, no, you, you got one. I said, no, we need one. Like, we don't have one. And he's like, no, dummy. I'm buying you one. And I was like, what? And so, listen, it might seem like a small thing now that this projector was given to us at that time, but at that time, it might as well have been a million dollars. And so God provided for us in a time where we didn't know, we didn't see, we, we were unsure. God provided for us doing crazy things, taking crazy steps of faith. I know when, when we moved from the pond house, we, we were running out of room. We had about 30 or 35 people coming to the pond house on Monday nights at 6.30 and we were worshiping and, and I was preaching. And I remember, I'll never forget the first time we ever met, we had seven people show up. They were so excited about my preaching, we had seven people show up. And five of those were family. <laughs> it was my mom, my dad, my in-laws, and my wife. And then two friends we talked into coming. And then we're sitting in there and I'm preaching. I'm trying to preach. And people ask me today, like, is it hard to preach in front of seven or 800 people? I'm like, no, it's hard to preach in front of seven when most of them are family. And I'm looking at them and mom's like dozing. And I can't find her sometimes in here, so I don't see that. But there, I mean, it's just right in front of me. I was like, come on, mom, you know, help me out here a little bit. And, and I remember preaching, and the first two messages I preached in that pond house were messages about fear and not being afraid. And how timely was that, that God was speaking to us about not being afraid as he led us into this, but he provided for us. We, we stood up one night because we finally had about 30, 35 people come in on Monday nights and, and I stood up one night and I said, look, we're out of room here. We need a building. There's only one problem with us getting a building. They were like, what? I was like, we don't have any money. And so if you can find a free building, y'all give me a call. After the service, a friend of mine came up to me. He said, I think I got a building for you. I said, okay, great. I didn't even really ask me any questions about it because I was just thinking, hopefully we got a building. He said, I'll check this week. I'll let you know. So we go. He calls me. He's like, I think I got it. We go and meet with some businessmen. It was a building over behind Burger King. If you're familiar with Statesboro, any at all, there's a building behind Burger King. Um, it used to be a fitness center. Then it became a pawn shop. And then it became our church because we met with these businessmen and they said, look, this is what we'll do. We'll give it to you for free for 
six months. If we, and we're going to give it to you for free. You just use it. And we're like, great. We didn't really even ask, well, what happens after six months? They could have started charging us $10,000 a month for all we knew. But we just knew for six months we got a place to meet. And so we went and we started meeting and God started moving. We're still meeting on Monday nights. Finally, on February 1st of 2009, we had our first Sunday service and, and people started coming. It was incredible. After six months, we realized we needed to sit down and meet with them again. So we go and sit down with them. We're like, listen, what's the next six months? What's the deal for the next six months or the next year? And they were like, well, what have we been doing? And we're like, well, it's been free. <laughs> and they were like, let's do that again. I was like, okay. I was like, let me, let me crunch the numbers on that. Yeah, that works, right? And so it ended up being a total for that first year of $54,000 that they had given us free rent for that building because of what it normally rented for. And so God was showing us that he would provide as we moved, as we followed him, as we took those steps of faith that he would provide for us. We finally outgrew that little section of that building that we were using. They had another area. It used to have a spa area. It had a pool and a hot tub and all this. I was like, can we leave the hot tub? And, uh, but we ended up having to cover it all in, fill it all in with dirt and we poured concrete over it and we built a stage over it. We knocked down a wall. And, and here's the crazy thing for us at that time was to finish it, we had to borrow $20,000. That might as well have been $20 million at that time for us because there was no way that we could come up with that money. There was no way that we could really even foresee paying back that money. I think I maybe talked our board into it by telling them that I thought we'd pay it back in six months. And they're like, how? I was like, God, I don't really know other than that. And so... They were, they were in agreement. We went and borrowed the money to show you how great they, how much they thought of me and what we were doing. I had to have my father-in-law co-sign the note because they wouldn't loan me the money. Um, and, uh, and so we ended up doing that. So then I felt a lot of pressure. I'm like, okay, I'm going to leave my father-in-law hanging with this money. But um, anyway, it was, what's crazy about that, guys, is God began to move in that situation. And within seven days, seven days after I signed the note to borrow that money, I wrote a check to pay it all back. It's crazy. I'm telling you how God moves, how God works. It's, it's incredible. And I want you... I want you to see that. I want you to see God, how God has provided in that, in that whole journey, how God has provided for this church. I know personally, Susan and I have seen God provide so much over the last 16 years since I've been following Jesus. And I'm not talking about just, you know, the whole thing of if you give us a check for a thousand, you'll have 10,000 next week. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about providing for us as we followed his plan and his purpose to fulfill his mission and his purpose and his calling. And I want you to see that because here's the reality. If he does that for us, he does that for everybody. We're not special in that. This church isn't just some special, um, some, something that's just special that God's doing that, that, that he doesn't want to do for anybody else. God will, will be in our lives. God will provide for us as we follow him. He'll provide for his purposes. He'll provide for his mission. He'll provide for the calling in our lives. It doesn't mean that there's never going to be a hiccup. When I went from owning a business to full-time ministry, I took a two-thirds pay cut. God brought us through that time. It wasn't always easy, and there was times when we had to figure things out. But I'm telling you that God took us from pasture to pasture. And he saw us through all of that. I could talk for you for hours and I won't, I promise. 
about all the ways we've seen God provide over the last seven and a half years in this church. But what I want you to see and what I want you to get from that is confidence that if I will step when God tells me to step, where God tells me to step, then God is going to provide and get me to where he wants me to be. He's going to fulfill his purpose in me. And so we can continue to take steps of faith knowing that God is going to do what he's promised. David says, you've made me lie down in green pastures. You lead me beside quiet waters. He's saying God has provided as I've walked this life out. But we know that everything was not always perfect for David. It's just the fact that God, even in David's imperfection and the imperfection that is life, God was there to provide for him and to take care of him. And God does that for us as we pursue his purposes and his mission. He carries us through the next one out of verses three, um, the end of three through four says, he guides me along the right paths or paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. We know that as a shepherd, we know that God's presence is with us. We know that God is shepherd. One, he, he, we know he cares. He loves, he loves us. We know, two, that he provides. And three, we know that he's with us. And he's there with us for two things. One, he guides. And two, he protects. See, God guides us into um, our life. He guides us to our next steps. They don't always make sense. You need to understand that, that it doesn't always make sense where God guides. But God does guide and God does lead. And God does show us our next steps to take. If we will pray and we will search, search out scripture and we'll listen, he will tell us the steps to take. It will not always make sense. God led us to start this church. Um, first of all, I had a great job uh, working with someone. He led us to, to start a business and I left the, the, the job to go to the business. Then two years later, he had me sell a business. It sold within 30 days um, so I could go into full-time ministry. And once we were in full-time ministry, went to another church or went as a youth pastor, then went to another church as an associate pastor, worst two or three months of my life. Then we felt like God was leading us to start a church. Here's the crazy thing. He was leading us to start a church in our hometown during the greatest recession that we've ever known. Is there worldly wisdom in that? Absolutely not. But we took that step of faith and we, and we just trusted that God would take care of us and he's taken care all along, but his guiding didn't make sense. His guiding didn't, didn't make sense. It didn't add up for us all the time. He, he had us plant this church in our hometown. Um, Susan, my wife, has lived here all of her life. I've lived here for most of my life. Moved here when I was 10. I'm 40. It's hard to believe I'm that old. But anyway... Uh, we moved here when I was 10 years old, lived here all that time. Listen, the people here have seen the good, the bad, and the ugly of Brandon Williams. I'm telling you, they've seen me drunk singing karaoke. They've seen me all kinds of things that I've done that, that, that you would probably be like, ah, right? And, and yet God led us to plant a church here. And I wrestled with that because I'm like, God, I know what your word says. It says a prophet's without honor in his hometown. And, and I don't know, I'm, I'm unsure about this. And I was wrestling with it. And one night I was laying in bed. And as I laid there, um, just John 4:44 kept coming up in my head. It kept coming up. And, and, and I, so I got up and I went to my Bible and I opened it up. And if you read John 4:44, basically what it says is Jesus knew that a prophet was without honor in his hometown. And I was like, ah! I knew it. We're messing up. And I was like, oh, God, you know, what are we supposed to do? 
And God spoke to my heart again, not like Brandon, that. But he spoke to my heart again and he said, if you're in it for the honor, you're in the wrong place. But if you'll let me have the honor, then you're going to be okay. And I had perfect peace about it from that moment on. But see, it didn't make sense what God was leading us to do. Sometimes God asks you to do things that does not make sense, but God has a plan and a purpose. If we'll latch on to him and follow him and do what he's called us to do, then he provides, he cares, he, he, he guides, and then he protects. He protects. I wish in a lot of ways that you guys could, could see the behind the scenes stuff more than you get to see. Because it's easy to walk in here on Sunday morning and see everything and think, it must be the greatest ride to be a part of this. And I want you to understand that it is incredible. It has been incredible to be a part of what God's done here over the last seven and a half years. But I want you to know that along the way, it hasn't always been perfect that there's been challenges. It's just like anything you do, there are challenges in it. And there've been great challenges in this as well. And the thing I want you to see and I want you to understand is that along the way, there's been a lot of attacks. And when you look at this scripture, um, he's talking about that, that, that walking in these right paths for God's namesake. And he says, even though I walk through the, the valley of death or the darkest valley, I'll fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And what he's talking about there is protection and specifically protection as you move from one pasture to the next. Because there were times when David knew as a shepherd that the pasture you're in, and this may speak to you right now, some of you right now, is that that pasture that you've been in and it has been lush and green because of a change in seasons, it begins to turn brown and you have to go to the next pasture. And oftentimes when that would happen, they'd have to go through the rocks and the, 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 the shadows and go through these dangerous places where there could be bandits that would come and attack, or there could be wild animals that would come and attack. And what David is saying is that I've been in those valleys. I've been in those places. I've been through all that stuff and all those dangerous places, but I don't fear because God, you've shown me that you're with me. You've shown me that you have a rod that you beat away my enemies. You show me that you have a staff that you can guide me and control me and pull me close to you and protect me. And so I want you to see that today, that even going pasture to pasture, God is the one who protects us. God is the one who looks after us. See, along the way, we've had a lot of attacks. We've had a lot of people who've come against us. What's crazy is that some of it's been from outside, but the bulk of it has been from the inside. Not just inside Connection Church, but inside the Big C Church. When we first started the church, I had a pastor accuse me of writing letters to church members at other churches to recruit them to come be a part of our church. Completely untrue. That was my first taste that not everybody's going to love you in this. When we first got started, there were times where um, people would make comments. I had people, and this is crazy that church people would say this, but they would challenge me on this. They would say, well, you only preach the gospel. And like, if that's the worst thing I've done, then I don't think I'm going to hell for that, right? You only preach the gospel. And then the next group of people would say, well, you don't preach the gospel. You think you preach the gospel, but you don't preach the gospel. And they would come and attack. I had a guy actually one day come and bring me a book called The Gospel and say, you need to read this. I was like, you need to run, right? 
And so there was attacks that, that came, things that would happen. There were people who, we've had this happen a lot, called us a cult, right? Like we're, we're a cult now. I'm like, all right, like we might as well start sacrificing sheep and stuff like that up on the stage because now we're a cult, right? And, and so we had all of these things. I had a guy, we were painting the blue building one time and a guy comes in and challenges me right there while we're painting the blue building, getting it ready for our first service of why we needed to start a church and how was our church gonna be different and we really didn't need to do what we were starting out to do. And I'm like, really? Really? other Christians attacking Christians but it was something that happened even in the last two weeks we've had people come against us I have heard uh, through the grapevine that I only want to build a mega church in the last two weeks and here's the thing it's people that don't even know your heart they don't know what you're here for they don't know they don't they don't realize where we started they don't realize that we started out and, and it was seven people in a pond house with a barred screen and projector. And our heart's been the same ever since. And on one hand, I wanna say, are you crazy? Just wanna build a mega church? It'd have been easier to stop at 200. On one hand, I wanna say, are you nuts? But on the other hand, I want to say, you know what? Whatever you want to call it, call it. But I do hope it's a growing church. Because the reality of it is, guys, I don't look in Scripture and see a church that wasn't growing. And when the gospel is preached and the gospel is proclaimed, people come to know Christ. And that's the heart of what we want to do, is see people come into a relationship with Jesus. In the last two weeks, we had someone say that we targeted their members. Two pastors, I'll just say it, I'm not gonna end up in a fight now because of this, but they have said, you're targeting our people. And here's the thing, I thought about doing this. I thought about saying, if you, if you were in another church and came here, I thought about just saying, would you stand up if I invited you? Because the reality is nobody could stand up because we've been so intentional of trying not to reach other people's people. But see, if God sent you here, then you're here to reach others. That's what we're here for. That's what we're here to do. And God's got a plan and God has a purpose and God has a calling that he wants us to fulfill. And we're going to do that. Here's the thing that I realize: if churches would quit fighting so much amongst themselves and worrying about what other people have or don't have and worrying about how big their flock is and start worrying about fighting instead of amongst each other, but start fighting for lost souls, then the church could accomplish the mission that it's called to accomplish. And I can tell you this, we're gonna do what God called us to do. We're gonna preach the gospel. And the reason we can be confident in that, and the reason we can be bold in that, it's not because we're so great, but because our God is so great, because he's the one who guides, he's the one who protects. And if God calls me out of this, then I'll step out of it. I'll walk away from it. But I know right now, if I walk away, it's an act of disobedience. 
It's something that God's called us to do. It's something that God's called us to be. And I'm not walking away. Listen, I don't know what the future holds, but I know that this is what God has called us to do and to be and to be about. And we're going to do that. And I'm telling you that you have a purpose. You have a purpose in this church if this is where God's called you. But you also have a purpose in this life. And they're one and the same. And that's to bring God glory. You have a calling and something God's called you to do. And I want you to see your God as shepherd, the God who loves, the God who provides, and the God who guides, and the God who protects, and the one who walks with you through it all. And I want you today to think about where am I with God? Where is my life with God? What pasture? am I in? Am I in the green pasture where right now God has provided so abundantly that he has made me lie down in green pastures so that I can, I should come right now and I should thank him. I should say, God, you've blessed me in such incredible ways, God, and and just begin to thank him for the, what he's provided and what he's, he's done. Or are you in a season where that green pasture has begun to, to, to turn brown? where it's begun to, to be uncertain as to what the future holds and you're wondering what's going to happen next because I want to encourage you, if that's the case and that's where you are, the reality for you is that God will lead you to that next green pasture. He will take you from pasture to pasture to see that what you need and the needs you have to fulfill the calling that God's put on your life will be met and will be fulfilled. I want to challenge you that if you're in a place where you're going from pasture to pasture and right now you're on that path and there's there's rocks and there's shadows and there's things that you're wondering about what's going to happen what's going to take place where where am I going from here I want to encourage you that God is with you that his rod and his staff will protect you and I want to encourage you to, to continue to take your next step to continue to walk to continue to move to continue to follow with all of your life with every aspect of your life continue to walk and continue to follow and continue to go continue to move continue to follow after him knowing that even in the uncertainty of life he is there and I want to I really want you to take a second and I want you to think about what pasture am I in where am I what are the uncertainties in my life that I need to bring before God here's an important question is God the shepherd of my life have I given my life to him If I trusted Christ as my savior have I yielded myself to him to fulfill his purpose and his plan not my own Have you ever done that? In other words, have you ever been saved by Christ? Have you ever been saved by Jesus? Have you ever given your life to him to trust him in obedience, to follow him, to make your life about him and not about you? Saying, Jesus, save me from my sin. Jesus, you are my savior. And Jesus, you are my Lord. Have you done that? Have you given your life to him? Because if you haven't, my prayer is that God's speaking to your heart right now. And if you want to make that decision today to follow him, if God is calling you to himself today, then what I want you to do is I want you to respond. And we want to celebrate that and help you take your next steps in this journey. But we've got to know. And so I want to ask you today, if today's a day of salvation for you, that God has spoken to your heart and you know I need a relationship with God that I've never had before in my life. I need a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And what I want to ask you to do right now is I want to ask you to raise your hand and say, that's me. I need that relationship. I know this room's full of people, but the thing I want you to do is I want you to be bold enough to say, I need Christ. I need God in my life. I've never had that and I want that today. Today is the day of salvation for me. Would you make that appeal today? Amen.
Amen. Who else? You know that today's the day. The rest of us, what pasture are you in? What do you need to lay before God? What uncertainty is it that you need to bring to Him? I'm gonna give you that opportunity. I'm gonna pray, these guys are gonna play. I'm asking you to move. What do you need to bring up here today to the altar? You need to trust God with that you haven't trusted Him with at this point or what uncertainty is it that you need to lay at His feet? What do you need to thank Him for that He's doing in your life? I'm gonna pray, I'm asking you to move. Let's pray. God, thank you for your love for us and your grace, your power in our lives. Just do what only you can do in us, God. Move in our hearts. In Jesus' name.